0: The 8th Circuit Network.
1: We make things. Put them in your brain. Hello, funky listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Funk Radio. This is your host, Kyle. And this is your host, Peter. Today, we thought it would be fun to talk, because way, 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 way back when we started this, like 10 episodes in, we did an episode about weather. We only really kind of scratched the surface of some of the songs that talk about weather. So we thought we would come back with a what's the word, a sequel, yes. with talking about more songs that discuss weather and the emotions that go along with those, because there's a surprising amount of them.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of songs that use, for example, like Sunshine or Rain, kind of as a metaphor for um, happy or sad emotions in the most general aspects, mm-hmm. and a lot of soul and funk songs use that. Uh, we found that kind of interesting. So, And we, when like you said, in our, one of our early episodes, we, we talked about this. But then since then, we've found a bit more that we can talk about, actually, on the same subject. So
1: we're going to do it. I can dig it. Before we really get into that, though, unless you've been living under a rock, you know that Monday was the, the bombing of the Boston Marathon. Three people died, including a... Eight-year-old boy, and I think we had 180 people got injured. Basically the worst attack since 9-11. And really the only good thing to come out of it is that within a five-day period, it went from no one having any idea who did it to them killing one suspect and capturing another. So unlike the Bin Laden thing that took 10 years, we basically captured the suspects within a five-day period. It was pretty impressive. Pretty much the biggest manhunt in history. They completely locked down the entire city of Boston.
0: Yeah, I I was really happy that they took it seriously and that they actually took it to that level.
1: On top of that, just seeing in the last five days just the enormous acts of decency and humanity from not only Bostonians, but like everyone in the country and around the world. Even today I saw a photo, I guess, of Syrian insurgents who took pictures of themselves with sign uh, giving their condolences to Boston. And I mean, these people deal with the kind of thing that happened to Boston every single day. Yeah. Just seeing that outpouring of support from everyone around the world was really kind of heartwarming. Even in the immediate aftermath of the event, you saw a film of people running not away from the explosions, but towards them to help people that were injured or couldn't walk. It's just insane. Yeah. If any of our listeners feel a need or want to donate to help any of these victims, there are... um, a ton of organizations that are reputable that didn't just crop up out of nowhere that have been established to um, donate to these people's medical bills and just getting them getting their lives back in order.
0: At least as much as possible. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, a few that we can list here, and we'll also post the links to these websites uh, when we post up the episode. On Facebook.com slash GetYourFunk. Some of the um, sites that we found to be the most reputable were the OneFundBoston.org, which was actually set up by Boston's mayor and the governor of Massachusetts. The Richard Family Fund, which was specifically set up for the family of um, the young eight-year-old that passed away. Mm. I know the Patriots, the football team in Boston, set up a fund for donations where every donation that people make, they're matching up to $100,000. That's really cool. On Patriots.com, all you have to do is say you want it to go to the Boston Fund, and you can donate what you want, and they'll match that. And the last one is um, AmericasFund.org donate. And that's just a general government relief fund that specifically has donations going towards the Boston Relief right now. So there's other ones out there. These are just ones that we found in searching that we've found to be the most reputable. Obviously, whoever you donate to, make sure you trust them. Make sure they're not some scammer donation thing that popped up within seconds of the thing happening. Um, So, yeah, that's a little bit of that. Cool.
0: Well, with that behind us, should we get... It up on our, I think, on our I think,
1: course and... I think since I think we since, since there's a there's a rain cloud hovering over us now, I think we need to bring out a little bit of sunshine. What do you think?
0: <laughs> I think that's a good idea. Do you want to start us off with our first song?
1: Um yeah, so our first song is Sunshine by the OJs. The OJs, um, for those of you that don't know we're a band that came out of the whole Philly scene and this uh, particular song Sunshine is off of their nineteen seventy two album Backstabbers, recorded and released through Philadelphia International Records.
0: That's probably one of their most famous albums, right?
1: Easily, yeah, because it has has the song Backstabbers and Love Train.
0: Yeah, those are like two of their biggest songs.
1: Mm -hmm. Cool. The album Backstabbers was actually a pretty big breakthrough hit for them. It reached top ten on the Billboard Pop Albums chart, and it sold over 500,000 copies within a year of its release, which, as we've discussed, prior to 1976, 500,000 copies got you a gold record. Gold status. Gold status, exactly. That's cool. So that's pretty huge so regarding the songs lyrics that denote whether there's a particular whatever you call it stanza or line that goes quote when it rained on my parade you were there to lighten the way because you are my sunshine you brighten up my darkest day
0: yeah as with previous songs you talked about and what we will probably be (laughs) repeating a number of times in this episode as well using bad things in your life you know comparing that to rain raining on your parade i guess and um using someone who's special in your life as kind of the, the sunshine who makes things bright and warm and happy mm-hmm. so it's a good song it's one of, it's more of a slower song but i think they they have kind of a ballad but i think they're kind of known for that
1: yeah to some extent so yeah let's actually listen to a little clip of sunshine by the ojs and you can let the sunshine wash over you Definitely, as Peter said, very uh, ballady, but that's that was always kind of their stick, even even into the 70s. Yeah. Even though it started kind of breaking out of that sort of do-out mold, mm. they were still very much a harmonic group. What do we got up next, Mr. Peter?
0: Coming up next is actually kind of the opposite of what we just talked about. So we're going from sunshine into cloudy weather here. The song is called Cloudy.
1: Cloudy with a Chance
0: of Funk. By the average white band which was a funk soul r&b band from scotland of all places kind of funny mm-hmm. and i think they were mostly all i think they were all white guys too yes which, the hence the white hence hence the name because i think average black band would sound kind of weird
1: <laughs> <laughs> they're best
0: known for their um instrumental track pick up the pieces which i think is probably easy easily one of the most recognized uh, funk songs of all time it's a good song one of my favorites actually
1: yeah, I was this close to picking up that album, by the way. It's off their... Uh, oh, really? Yeah, no, it's off their first album. Their second album was like Cut the Cake or something, but their first was just... Oh, that's a good one, too. Cool. So
0: this song, Cloudy, is from 1976. It's actually one of the more obscure songs. It's actually kind of a, another kind of a, like a slow ballad song. The best this one did was reach number 55 on the US R&B chart, so it didn't really get that popular. And, I mean, it's not. it doesn't really have the, the structure of a, of a popular song. So that's okay. Let me go ahead and listen to a little clip of this song called Cloudy by Average White Band. And when we come back, we will talk a little bit about the lyrics. As you may or may not have figured out from that little clip, the singer uses quote-unquote cloudy as the name for his woman as he's seeing their relationship slowly growing weaker, and the refrain for the song says, Cloudy, don't you drift away. Feel like I'm losing you slowly but surely. So kind of using cloud as a way to saying you're drifting away, whereas you might expect clouds are usually like, oh, it's a sign of rain or something darkness. I think think there is some reference to that as well, but I think this one's just more of just drifting little cloud. Makes me think of Bob Ross. Makes him have little clouds. Is,
1: is that because his his hair was basically a cloud? I saw, oh my gosh, I I don't know, I forgot where I saw it, but I saw a picture of Bob Ross, like, pre-fro, and mm. he, he just had, like, long hippie hair. <laughs> I don't know if, like, at some point during his painting, he was electrocuted. But <laughs> I don't know. Like I do not know how you can go from bone-straight hippie hair to, like, the most voluptuous fro that any white man has ever donned. <laughs> that was beautiful but yeah i was just like oh, what that's not bob ross that's some hippie mofo from like woodstock bob ross taught me how to love and how do you think he painted at woodstock he probably painted wood he probably yeah he painted woodstock he painted, <laughs> he painted Jimi hendrix dude how awesome would it be to have like a guitar that had like a bob ross painting on it that of, he
0: actually painted
1: yeah of like happy little trees or something like he like
0: painted that. a guitar Dude. That, that would probably be the most expensive guitar of all time. Yeah, right. Eric Clapton would be really sad because he
1: didn't have that guitar. Yeah, right. It would have to be an acoustic guitar because it had more surface area, but that would be yeah. so legit.
0: And I can't imagine Bob Ross playing an electric guitar anyway.
1: Yeah, right. He totally seems like, you know that like early 70s folk scene that came out with like mm. Jim Croce and like the, I don't know, I don't remember anyone else. <laughs> Just all the, those people. Yeah. Um, that whole folk scene. He totally was like part of that. Well, now we know. And knowing one half the battle. G.I. Fro! <laughs>
0: <laughs> that made too much sense.
1: That made both too much and too little sense at the same time. <laughs> so the next song we have in our repertoire is the song Knock on Wood by Amy Stewart. Is wood part of nature?
0: Well, this is actually an interesting case because this is, I think, the only song in both episodes that the title itself does not reference any weather. I see. But the refrain does.
1: Amy Stewart, that's Amy's fill with two I's at the end because she's weird, was an American R&B disco dance pop singer and actress. Uh, Stewart is the stepsister of actress and singer Mikkel Brown and aunt uh, to Brown's actress singer daughter Samita Brown. Hmm. So with Amy Stewart, um, before being signed to Ariel Records, she was touring a company on a stage production of Bubbling Brown Sugar, which was playing in 1975. And then there, she met Barry Lang, uh, who was a record producer for Hansa Records. Obviously, they got in touch and got together to make this album. Regarding the heavy drum sounds that's actually heard on this song, Knock on Wood, mm-hmm. as well as many of her other tracks, they were provided by session drummer uh, Peter Boita, who was actually credited as the drum doctor on many of the tracks mm-hmm. because he was that good. Um, so using a combination of drum computers and electronic drums that were just starting to become popular in the disco era,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Peter developed some drum sounds and syncing techniques that were really kind of way ahead of anything else mm-hmm. done prior. Interesting.
0: Uh, yeah. what, what year did this come out? 70?
1: 70, it looks like the song was released in 1979, early okay. 1979, and by April of that year, it was already number one. Oh, wow, okay. Regarding the single, obviously, for those of you who don't know, it's actually a disco cover of Eddie Floyd's 1966 hit, also titled Knock on Wood.
0: Did her version become a lot more popular than this?
1: That is a good question. I mean, this one reached number one, but that was when disco was just exploding. So stuff that Mm -hmm. reached number one during that time didn't stay there long.
0: I guess it sounds familiar that someone else did it
1: first her version of the song reached number one in April nineteen nineteen seventy nine 1979, and actually earned her a platinum record and a Grammy Award nomination. That's impressive. Probably, I'm going to guess, it's more than Eddie Floyd's version, despite yeah. like, the popular in the original. So regarding uh, some of the lyrics from the song, as we, as Peter denoted earlier, the title doesn't really mention anything regarding weather, but um, it does in the chorus and the lines and stuff. So regarding this particular line, it's sung as, quote, because your love is better than any love i know it's like thunder and lightning the way you love me is frightening the song knock on wood has a very thunderous stormy sort of connotation regarding the chorus
0: and it talks about a little bit about superstition as well which is where knock on wood comes in that's yeah, not really related to weather remember focused.
1: remember i always used to do that whenever i would do anything but didn't want to jinx myself i would say knock on wood and
0: then you would knock then, on the table
1: and then i would knock on anything nearby that was wood yeah. and you never saw or heard of anybody doing that before so like the first time i did it you thought i was like insane yeah, that's,
0: like, yeah that's where i actually learned that phrase i never heard it like, before you had told me that
1: i was like are you serious like everyone does that there's even a song about it i
0: guess i was out of the loop for knocking on wood
1: yeah you were out of the superstition loop you, yes you better talk to steve wonder about that okay. <laughs> okay so now that we've gotten a little bit about information about the disco cover version let's actually listen to a little clip of knock on wood by amy
0: kind of interesting that they use the emotions of love as more scary and shaking like thunder and lightning versus the the cliche sunshine thing it's something different
1: correct me if i'm wrong but this version feels a little more fast-paced than the original yeah I believe it, because it is. of the disco dance thing to go along with it before. yeah the next song i want to discuss is you are the sunshine of my life by stevie wonder for those of you that don't know, this was a 1973 single released by Wonder. It became his third number one hit single on the Billboard Hot 100 and actually was his first number one on the Easy Listening chart. So this was kind of his first more mellow, easy song mm. that was popular. I can see that. It actually won Wonder a Grammy Award for Best Male Pop Vocal Performance. Oh, wow. So that's pretty big. Cool. And this was his second single released from his 1972 album titled Talking Book, which I have on, it on vinyl. Nice. Among its other accolades, Rolling Stone actually ranked it song number 281 on their list of 500 greatest songs of all time.
0: It's right there in the middle, I guess. Yeah. Not that high, but it's
1: still, that's
0: still really good, though. Yeah.
1: Of all the songs ever recorded, it's still pretty big. Yeah. I'm sure, I would be very surprised if he didn't have ones that were higher on that list. I don't it think probably they did. Is several, yeah. I don't think they did one one for every artist. You're only allowed one song that's the greatest. Okay. Regarding the first four lines opening of the song that are sung, those first four lines aren't actually sung by Stevie Wonder, but by Jim Gilstrap and with Lanny Groves singing the next two. In the single version of the song, it actually differs from the album version with the addition of horns into the mix. So in the Mm. single, there's horns. In the album version, there's not.
0: That's interesting, because I've never heard of a... Because usually when they have a, a single version of a longer song, they just cut it down True. so that it flows well. I don't think I've ever heard of... Or they actually added in another instrument track into the song.
1: Maybe it was a thing that like once it was released they they thought it would sound better with this other thing, so they put that on the track that was meant to be on the full album. That's interesting. I don't know.
0: So he doesn't sing the the refrain then or just not the first the first time it's He sings anything?
1: he sings the rest of the song, including the refrain. He just doesn't sing the first six lines of the verse. Oh, huh, okay. But yeah, regarding the chorus, which is sung by him, the chorus goes along with the theme of the title where he says, quote you are the sunshine of my life, that's why I'll always be around You are the apple of my eye, forever you'll stay in my heart Duh.
0: Yeah, I mean using sunshine as only one of the list of things in the rest of the lyrics as well Saying that someone is pretty much the most special thing in your life So, sunshine can be very important sometimes
1: I agree but Without further ado, let's listen to a little clip of You are the sunshine of my life by Stevie Wonder wore You are the sunshine
0: Am I the sunshine of your life?
1: You know how they they say, you know, where the sun don't shine? Yeah. You make it so that the sun does shine there.
0: <laughs> That's not what I wanted to know. <laughs> but, okay. <laughs> Getting away from that. Our next song is another kind of a slow, sad song by the Dramatics. The song is called In the Rain. Now, the Dramatics were a soul vocal group from Detroit. And this song, called In the Rain, was part of their debut album called What You See Is What You Get, which they released in 1972. Um, I actually wouldn't have guessed it, but this was their best-selling song, and it sold over a million copies.
1: Wow.
0: But I, I guess I just would have guessed that What You See Is What You Get was their most famous song, because I've known that one for a while, and I've heard it a lot more. I haven't heard this one as much, but it's a good song, too. Hmm. And What You See Is What Is What You Get actually reached the Billboard Hot 100 at number nine the previous year, whereas this one, I think, it was, it was on the top of the R&B for, I think, like four weeks at number one. So I guess maybe that translates to be more popular than the Hot 100 at number 9, but yeah, for whatever reason, In the Rain was the most famous song of their career. Good stuff. Yeah. Interestingly, the group was never assigned to Motown, even though they were from Detroit, and their producer and writer both previously worked with with Motown. But uh, despite this, the few popular songs that they did release were actually a pretty good, solid competition with Motown's own hits at the time,
1: which is impressive, I was going to say, Motown was kind of the only game in town at that point.
0: Why don't we go ahead and listen to a clip of In the Rain by the Dramatics so that you can hear uh, the sadness that they're trying to convey in this song. Kind of a little bit of a more somber song. Uh, the main singer in the song says he wants to go out in the, into the rain because he's crying that his woman has left him, and he wants the rain to hide his tears. So actually in the lyrics, he says, It may sound crazy, but I want to go outside in the rain. Now I think I'm going to cry, and I don't want you to see me cry. Once the sun comes out and the rain has gone away, I know I'm going to see a better day. That last part is actually in one of the verses. So not only do they use rain for most of the song as, as a metaphor for... For sadness but he also uses the sun thing again and says once the sun comes out and the rain goes away that he will have a better life so kind of cool the lyrics actually a little bit reminded me of the temptations song i wish it would rain which i think we talked about in the last episode because because oh, yeah. they say may sound crazy but i want to go outside in the rain whereas in the other song the temptations they say something like may sound crazy but i wish it would rain so it's kind of similar
1: yeah honestly i didn't know the dramatics had that big of a to say competition with Motown at the time. Yeah. Question though when did Motown move to L.A.? 73. So that's probably probably why they did. Their dramatics kicked them out of (laughs) Detroit. It was a dramatic experience. So the final song that we want to discuss for today in our list of songs about weather and soul (laughs) I wanted to discuss Sunshine Lady by the famous artist Willie Hutch this is actually more of a rare Motown single from Mr. Willie Hutch. He's known not re- not only as a, a funk and soul artist by some of the most famous black exploitation soundtracks such as Foxy Brown and The Mac, but he also had a pretty big career as a writer-producer for Motown. So he was more of a kind of a behind-the-scenes guy. Yeah, for the most else. part. Regarding this stuff, he did do some of his own stuff. So Hutch's influence actually spanned the work of many notable artists during his career, including The Jackson Five, where he wrote the song, I'll Be There, He also wrote songs for Marvin Gaye, Smokey Robinson, The Main Ingredient, and The Fifth Dimension.
0: Didn't you just get a Fifth Dimension record yesterday? I did. I got
1: the best of Fifth Dimension. which Hey, we didn't talk
0: about National Record Day or whatever.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay, we can talk about that at the end. (laughs) Willie Hutch died at the age of 60 in 2005, so he wasn't incredibly old. Kind of a shame. Regarding this single of his, Sunshine Lady, there's a line in it, I guess, that denotes weather. Is quote, "You're warm as summer, you're a sunshine lady, girl with a sunshine smile. Let your love light shine on me." Yeah, yeah let's actually listen to a little clip of "Sunshine Lady" by Willie Hutch, and you can see that not only was he a amazing songwriter, but he was actually pretty good on his own as a singer as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I really like the song. It's pretty catchy, and um, it's nice. It's, it's kind of too bad that this song and he, as an artist in general, wasn't, didn't, get as, much didn't get as much recognition as some of the others. Yeah, um, yeah I agree. It's really cool. It does sound kind of similar to stuff that mm-hmm. I am familiar by him,
1: his exactly. soundtrack music. It would be so cool to have the Foxy Brown soundtrack. Anyways, um, I guess, okay, so falling in, that, in line with that, for those of you that don't know, yesterday was declared National Record Store Day. Um, it's just a day that record people like decided to use as a day to raise awareness for vinyl records, record stores, and the need to support them because they, in recent times, due to the proliferation of digital music, obviously fell on hard times. Right. Uh, I remember like even Tower Records, which was like the Barnes & Noble of record stores, completely went belly up in like oh six or 07. Uh, I remember
0: that, yeah.
1: That was really sad. But the good news is, I guess, is that records are actually kind of making a bit of a comeback. Yeah. I think because with how proliferate MP3 and digital music is, you can get it from Spotify, you can get it from the iTunes, or go and listen to it on YouTube. Yeah. There's not a, like a tactile experience with music anymore, mm-hmm. like there was that feeling of going and buying a record and touching it and putting it on the player. Yeah. So I think people who are real, real big music fans are kind of seeking that more tactile experience again. And yeah. records from, like, 2008 till now have actually, like, jumped up in sales by, like, I want to say, like, 30-something percent, which is pretty, wow, pretty, pretty cool. Consistently before then, they were declining every year.
0: It's kind of funny to see how, uh, you know, they were they were around for so many decades, and then they kind of went out. Yeah, for a few and they're actually starting to come back a little bit.
1: Well, I actually, I actually got a bit of insight on it from my father because in the late, in the mid '80s, he worked at a electronics store. He worked there when CDs were first coming out, mm-hmm. and he was talking. He's like, you know, we've had record, like re- the record as a form of music, basically did not change very much since like the 1920s, hmm. when they were like really mass produced.
0: I guess um, they didn't really need to
1: change it because yeah. it worked. And suddenly he said, this new format came out, this compact disc. And it, it was just like, it, like to them, like NASA technology at the time. <laughs> so that's why records were ditched so quickly because they had been the standard for so long. Yeah, and didn't change. They didn't shrink in size. They didn't do anything. Yeah. Now the this, the format of CD came out in the late 80s and just exploded, which decimated record sales. Yeah. So obviously in the late 90s and early 2000s when MP3s came out, but now. See, no one buys CDs anymore. Absolutely no one that I know buys, buys them. But now records are... Well, right. I
0: mean, the only the only way I ever actually buy a CD is if it's, you know, like a $5 bin or something. And then you just end up ripping it to your computer. Right? And I just rip it straight to my computer. I never actually use the CD itself. Exactly. Yeah. There's, so, n- there's not really any reason to.
1: I think that's why people are coming back to, to records because there's there's a point of contention, but a lot of people say that records have a richer sound than CDs because their ability to store more information in the vinyl. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know there's something about going to a record store and finding an artist you like and seeing that the album is cheap that's just yeah. really nice and more than other mediums it's a it's good ways to support the artists and to support record, yeah. these small hipster little record stores like the one I went to the other day was like the size of a bed like the size of a large bedroom <laughs> it was <laughs> I mean they expanded out to the parking lot for that particular day because they had a bunch of extra inventory yeah, I don't know, any, any, any of you out there that really consider yourself true music fans, and especially those that appreciate these genres like we do, like funk and soul, mm-hmm. it's really something to look into to purchase a cheap record player and to purchase records because it's, you know, yeah, they're not portable. You can't play them in a car. You can't play them when you're running. But they're not yeah. meant to be. They're meant to be something that you you sit and listen to. You, you don't multitask when you listen to a record. You just sit and yeah. listen to
0: it. It's it's kind of funny that uh, the portability of music has become really important um, over the last decade or two. Yeah, because
1: people don't focus on the music anymore. It's it's a background item for them. It's a background something to do while they run or while they work or while they're in their car driving. Yeah. When records were around, the music was the focal point. You sat and listened to music, smoked a joint, probably (laughs) maybe ate some food.
0: (laughs) Actually, something else not necessarily tied to records themselves, but um. I've talked to my parents before about uh, like when they were our age. Pretty much everyone had a big stereo with loud speakers, and it was that was the big thing, mm-hmm. like in the 80s and everything. And it was a much more social experience. Yeah. Whereas now it's very private, and at best you have it like on your computer and you play it out loud. Exactly. Yeah, I mean people still have stereos, obviously, but it's not nearly. It's just a completely different culture now, I think, than it than it was a couple decades ago.
1: Yeah, like in the 70s and 80s, people would have what they called listening parties where people just come and get together and listen to, like, new records that came out that they all... Yeah. Whereas now, you know, if you're at a party, yeah, maybe there'll be some guy, like, playing, blasting his iPod through some Bluetooth sound system. Yeah. But no one's paying attention to it. It's just background noise. Yeah. So, it, it, see, I don't I mean, I don't want to be a downer, but it seems like with the proliferation of, like, MP3s and the privatization of the music listening experience, it seems like it's become... More of a personal thing and less of a social medium to get people together. Aside yeah. from aside from things like say concerts, because obviously right, like, yeah, well those, that's different. Those are always going to be around, but more. But the purchasing experience, the collecting experience, the experience of getting your friends together and listening to a new album that came out. Yeah, it's 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 just not that way anymore. It's a little sad. I mean,
0: you because you were saying that records are kind of making a comeback. It'll be interesting to see if the musical culture mm-hmm. kind of.
1: No, kitty bang. the
0: settled. One, the She's lying on the mic, basically. Um, it'll be interesting to see if if the musical part of our culture kind of shifts again back into being a little bit more of a of a social
1: thing. Well, what I'm what I'm seeing with that, and I don't, I don't want to predict anything, but it seems like the proliferation of vinyl recently is kind of a pushback against the not only the the uh, I guess intangibility of digital music, but like yeah. the DRM and the copywriting and all that crap that goes along with it that kind of makes yeah. it feel like you don't own it
0: like, right unless yeah
1: you torn, a point. unless you torrent something yourself or if you buy it from iTunes or Amazon or whatever it goes into like the cloud and then it, it's almost like you're borrowing it from them for an extended period I mean for yeah. me I remember back in like 05 or 06 I forgot what I did but I epped something up with my iTunes library I actually built all my music off my iPod in my library and I went to the Apple store and I was like I want my music back and they're just like, well, did you like press this button to say like back up my files to the cloud or some crap? And I was like, no. He's, he's <laughs> like, well, then you can't get your music back. I'm just like, I paid like six hundred dollars for all this music, probably Jeez. over a period of like five or six years.
0: Yeah, that see, that's actually where I do see some value in CDs. Is that at least you own that? Exactly. So if you you know if your computer crashes you know inevitably hard drives and stuff crash but at least if you you know if you have to start from scratch again at least you have whatever you had on cds you can get that back exactly um, which is nice
1: and i guess what amazon's doing too just recently that's really smart is any vinyl that you buy from them you get like a like a redeemable code so you can go and download the mp3 as well
0: they've done that with uh, they've been doing that with cds as well yeah a lot of
1: artists too are just doing that with their own stuff if you buy the vinyl you get like a redeemable code for the mp3 because they understand people want to take the music with them and you can't do that with a record yeah if you're doing it through itunes and not through legal means yeah then you're gonna pay like ten to twelve dollars for an album on, on mp3 format yeah why not pay maybe another ten and get the vinyl and the mp3 like
0: yeah. I mean as long as you have the means to play it, you might as well.
1: Yeah, if you have the means to play it, it's it's silly not to like if you really like the band and like it's like the majority of the album, to just get the MP three and not get the record because the MP three almost always comes with it.
0: So you are kinda of seeing it as it'll probably become a little bit more and it already is kinda of doing this too, becoming more of a hybrid thing where the experience of, of the vinyl kinda of comes back, but as well as that you also have the digital the MP threes which you can use in your car and you know, when you're jogging, or whatever. Exactly. I so it's kind of a combination of the two, rather than just one or the other.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to become. I think I hope at least music is going to go back to that more tac- tactile experience, but then yeah. it's going to pair with MP3s. So you know, you're not losing the portable portability in all, in all the good things that go along with having an MP3, right and at the same time, you still always have like that vinyl hard copy as well. Yeah. I don't know. That's just my opinion. It's interesting stuff. I right? hope it goes that direction, but. I don't know. So yeah. they just come out with yet another new format somehow.
0: So, yeah, obviously that wasn't on topic with weather or anything, but I think um, kind of a little mini conversation about the state of the state, records, the state of yeah music mediums that are coming back as well.
1: Yeah, because I mean that's 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 really what that record store day was supposed to be about. It's not about the artists or the people buying records. It's about supporting these record store owners. Yeah. Because they're like the last bastion of tactile music and really the last bastion of like real music aficionados Mm -hmm. that don't just you know go and buy mp3s but not give a crap who they're by they're just like I like this song I want it
0: yeah the culture as well of going and looking for records and also finding them and talking to other people who share that same you know the same passion and people people
1: like trade records and have like record parties it's like pokemon cards for adults (laughs) (laughs) that's like that's the best way I can put it you know that like The feeling you had as a kid of collecting Pokemon cards or whatever the hell was popular when you were around. Pogs, I don't know. Pogs? It's it's that same feeling, but you never lose it because you're an adult in it. But it's still like that same juvenile thrill of, yay, I found this artist I love. I want to buy it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's all I got. Uh,
0: Okay. Yeah, good stuff. Well, thank you for listening to our little conversation about that, as well as um, continuing our concepts of weather um i think <laughs> off the bat it might sound funny to talk about that but again it's interesting to see how a lot of artists actually use these concepts of sun and rain and everything in between you know to convey just the simple emotions or states of their relationship or other people that they are close to it's it's, it's funny but yes again thank you for listening this has been funk radio be sure to like us on facebook at facebook.com slash get your funk and if you have any uh, comments about how we did on the show, go ahead and tell us. And if you have any any ideas for future episodes, we would appreciate hearing that as well. And also, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Yeah. Just type in Funk Radio, and uh, you should probably be able to find us.
1: I think we're the first one. I mean, I don't know if there's a lot of other podcasts named Funk Radio, <laughs> but
0: <laughs> well, none none that are as cool as us.
1: Indeed, we are the one and only. Any others are imposters. <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening. This has been your host,
1: Peter. And this has been your host, Kyle.
0: Join us next time for more of your favorite Funka hits. This has been Funk Radio.
1: Bye, we love you. We hope you love us, too. No.
0: For more podcasts and the latest news in gaming, movies, and entertainment, visit 8thCircuit.com.